0: Hello all you Covey Club Reinventors out there, this is Leslie Jane Seymour and I'm the founder of this podcast and the founder of Covey Club, which I hope you will come over and venture to and check us out for all our reinvention material over at CoveyClub.com. Today I'm bringing you Doug Knoll and what a reinventor this guy is. You're going to love this conversation because I really honestly have not met somebody who has done all the different reinventions he's done. And he's done everything from being a lawyer to working in the prisons and working on how to bring peace um, to the world and being a peacemaker. He's gone back and forth to get his education bumped up at different times. He's walked away from big, big salaries to actually find what's in his heart and a lot of it came from a struggle he had as a child. And I think it's a wonderful story about how no matter how you start out, you can find your way to the things that are meaningful to you or to many things that are meaningful to you. And I think that is really the lesson about this podcast and really the lesson of the podcast in general, which is whatever it is you want to do, someone has done it and you can use them as your guiding star in terms of inspiration. And then also the tips and tricks that we give you, or they give you as the tactical ways to get there. So I'm not going to spoil this whole conversation. I don't want to tell you everything at the front, but I love the fact that he immediately will tell you how to find six more hours in your day, immediately. And it's a challenge, but I think it's really very interesting. So come along and listen to Doug Knoll, his personal reinventions and his information on how you can reinvent yourself. Here he is. So, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Well, Leslie, it's great to be here. And I love the idea of reinventing yourself. That's something I'm very familiar with personally. Good.
0: So let's talk about your personal reinvention and then we're going to talk about what you do out there to help people reinvent themselves, because that really is the topic of this podcast. And um, they're anxious to know, how the heck do you know about reinvention, which is (laughs) your personal story? And right. then what you've studied and what you what you um, promote out there. So sure. let's start with I always like to I always like to hear what your background is, where you grew up, where your parents entrepreneurs or reinventors, and um, how did you get started? What did you think you were going to be?
1: You know, I really never thought about it that way. But uh, I grew up in Southern California in a very affluent community. But unfortunately, I was born with many disabilities. I was born partially deaf, partially blind, almost blind, crippled couldn't walk until I was three years old, left teeth, oh bad teeth. I mean, you name it, I had, I had problems. But I, you know, and I grew up in affluence and, and what most people would call a very loving family. Uh, but the problem was that in those days, uh, people just did not know how to deal with disabled children like myself. So my upbringing was very difficult. Uh, And that's where I really started learning about reinventing yourself, I guess, Mm -hmm. because I had to learn how to overcome not only all my physical disabilities, but all of the emotional stuff that went along with it. Uh, Because not only when you're, you know, as a child, if you're not athletic, a a, a male child, if you're not athletic and, you know, gregarious and able to participate, then, you know, you become socially ostracized. And that's exactly what happened to me. So, but then... Anyways, I managed to, I managed to survive <laughs> childhood and adolescence, oh. and I ended, I ended up going, and let me just say that my parents went through a very difficult financial time, and I think this is where I first learned about reinvention. They had uh, My father had got an engineering degree at Purdue University in Indiana in metallurgical engineering, but ended up marrying my mother in California and going into the family business. And they bought the family business only to have it go bankrupt underneath them. Oh no! And okay. so my dad then entered into the financial services business as a stockbroker in his in his early 40s. So oh wow! He completely reinvented himself. I mean, we had nothing, literally nothing. I mean, they sent me back to college, and my dad was just starting out in this whole new business that he knew nothing about. But he was a pretty smart guy too, and and. I guess he was in many ways a role model because he worked uh, for a very large Wall, Wall Street firm. But then, in the later in the '70s, when the regulations allowed people to become their own financial advisors and stockbrokers without being part of a big firm, that's what he did. He was one of the very first people in the United States to create his own brokerage firm with a partner of his and uh, was very successful. Wow! At so I went back to I went back to Dartmouth from California to New Hampshire. Graduated in English literature, came back to California, and then became, uh, went to law school and ultimately became a trial lawyer. And uh, I did that for 22 years, but along the way, I started reinventing myself. I I, uh, started studying martial arts and ultimately became a secondary black belt. Then I started studying Tai Chi and uh, learned about energy healing and became an energy healer, much wow. to my surprise. I mean, okay. I'm a hardcore skeptical trial lawyer and here I am okay. dabbling in in some concepts that most people think are don't exist. And right. ultimately, I decided that being a trial lawyer was not my calling and so this my first big reinvention was going back to school mid-career in my 40s to get a, a master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies. And I walked away from my law practice. I walked, literally walked away from $10 million, uh, that, that, that more than I'd earned in the firm, than, than I had taken out. Walked away with one week's notice and, and, and became a peacemaker. Wow. And for the next, yeah, it's crazy. For the next uh, basically eight nine years, from 2000 to 2009, I was a full-time professional mediator and arbitrator. I still do that work now and was teaching a set of skills that I developed on how to calm angry people in in uh, less than a minute and a half. Well, then the economic collapse happened in 2008, and where I live, which is in central California, very uh, uh, it's all based on agriculture, and the economy collapsed here. We had over 7,000 homes in the region under foreclosure, and when there's no economic activity, there's no legal activity, and people don't have need for a mediator, so I had to reinvent myself, and I did. That in two ways. One, I I had been online when the internet first started in the early 90s, but now I had to start developing online courses because I had a lot of knowledge and so I started developing online courses and I started my online entrepreneur work as a course creator and promoter. And the second thing that happened was that with my colleague Laurel Coffer, uh, we began the Prison of Peace Project and I began training lifers and long-termers in maximum security prisons how to be peacemakers and mediators to stop prison violence. And for the next, well, up until today, uh, we have, well, until the pandemic, really, um, I spent a a large part of my time going into maximum security prisons in California and Connecticut, as it turns out, training these incarcerated people how to be peacemakers. And we got just amazing results. So, that led me uh, over, the, over the years. I wrote four books. So I learned how to write Great. books and publish okay. them, get, get published. Yeah. And so you can see that <laughs> my, my life is just this process of, of looking around and saying, What's going on? What do I do now? And uh, so, I under, so I think I can say that I understand reinvention pretty well. And you have to do it every five years. I, I, I've learned. My wife has learned the same thing. You yeah. can't, yeah. things are changing so fast that what, what was good five years ago no longer is relevant today.
0: Right. Things keep changing. Exactly. So, when you're talking to women who are in their 40s, 40 plus, and they're finding themselves in transition, that's who the Covey Club person is. And it could be a health transition, it could be widowhood, it could be divorce, it could be losing a job, being downsized, it could be all those things, empty nest. And they're all trying to figure out what's next for them. And sometimes what I say the hardest thing is making that first step. A lot of people say, I don't know I know I need to change but I'm not sure what that is. Right. And but,
1: that is, that, that, is, is, the, that, is the, that is really I agree with you that is really the the making that decision to change is the hardest thing to do. And the, um, and I, I don't know how I mean I, I guess I've developed a lot of courage in my early years because I just had so much to overcome that, that, walking away from the law firm in ten million dollars with no business plan, right. and No, no real idea what, what I was going to happen. It really, wasn't that difficult to do because I just I just felt in my bones the path for me. But for for people that don't feel the path, I mean, what what I typically say is the first thing to do is, do you have a passion? Is there something about in life that you are really passionate about? And if so, that's your lodestone. That's where you go. You you go to a place where if I have to wake up every day for the rest of my life and do this I'm happy doing it. That's and that helps overcome the fear because the fear that people have is a fear of loss the loss of income, loss of reputation, loss of friends, loss of community, loss of family. I mean it's all about fear, a fear of loss and that's a difficult one. The second thing I would say is 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 that if, if you are in a place where you feel like you need to change because you're going through some life transition the easiest way to help get through that, in my opinion, and from what I've observed with my clients, is to find a way to serve other uh, people.
0: I agree, I, totally agree. When
1: you I can, totally agree. When you can dedicate your life to service to others, then everything else falls into place. And there's a really cool way that I teach people to serve others, where you don't have to be a Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you don't have to completely change your life, and that's learning how to listen other people into existence. Yeah,
0: talk about that. It's very interesting. I have not heard it said like that. I kind of know where right. you, what you're talking about, but not completely. And I like so. This the is thing.
1: so one of the. Uh, b- before I get right into the into the nitty gritty, one of the cool things about listening other people into existence is you can serve one person at a time and make a huge difference in that person's life, and it costs you nothing to do it. Right, You just have to be willing to do it. So the, the, the short story is that I, did, I uh, as a mediator and peacemaker, I, had, I didn't have any good ways of calming people down. I discovered a, uh, an idea by accident in 2005, and then in 2007, that idea was uh, validated by a brain scanning study that came out of UCLA by neuroscientist Matthew Lieberman. And I started teaching it, to a lot of and there was a great deal of skepticism. And then in 2010 when Laurel and I started the prison project, this is the first skill and the skill that we based our entire project on was learning how to listen to other people into existence. And it's so powerful that our that many of our incarcerated people reported that they were able to stop prison riots, stop violence instantly. We got letters from wardens saying how wow. powerful the program had been in, in their prisons and we've had about 2,000 of our students released on parole and not one of them has ever reoffended. Wow. And I say this just because I'm going to describe what it is, and it's, okay. it's very counterintuitive and very counter-normative. But it's powerful. It works. So the idea of listening another person into existence is instead of listening to their words, what we want to do is listen to their emotions. And so we're gonna do this, it's a three-step process. The first thing we're gonna do is ignore the words that somebody is talking, people are talking, we we don't ignore the person, but we ignore their words. And that frees up bandwidth so that we can do the next two steps. The second step is to read the emotional data field of this person that we're with, that we're going to listen into existence. And this is much, much easier than it sounds because our brains are hardwired to accurately and quickly and effortlessly read other people's emotions. all you got to do is be in silence, quiet your mind for a second, just be present with this person, and in a second or two, the emotions that this other person is experiencing will flow into your consciousness. And then the third thing that you do, and this is where it gets a little wonky for people, is that you literally tell people what they're feeling. You basically reflect their emotional experience with a simple use statement. So if you're confronted with somebody who's really angry, let's say, Leslie, that you're really angry. I say, oh, Leslie, you're really angry you're frustrated, you're pissed off, you don't feel heard, you feel completely disrespected, you've been treated unfairly, you don't feel supported or appreciated, and the whole thing is really making you sad, and you're a little worried about it, and you feel a little embarrassed about it, and you feel abandoned and betrayed, and you feel unloved. Just by saying that, what you're literally doing and what the neuroscience shows is that you're lending your prefrontal cortex to this other person for the 90 seconds it takes for their prefrontal cortex to come back online because it's been shut down by strong right. emotions. Right. And it literally comes back online. Goldman talks about the amygdala hijack back in his yes. 1995 book. This is how you stop the amygdala hijack. He never talks about how you stop the hijack. He it, What he talks about is accurate, but the way that you stop it, is by literally labeling the emotional experience. And the neuroscience shows that when you do this unconsciously, the prefrontal cortex is reactivated and the emotional centers of the brain, primarily the amygdala, are inhibited. And it happens every single time without fail because every single human brain on the planet is hardwired for this. And and when you do this and when when you get good at it, it takes a couple of weeks of practice to get good at it, but when you get good at it and you've really mastered it, the people that you listen to in this way, you literally listen them into existence because you are validating them at a very deep core level. And they are so grateful to you because you, for the first time in their lives, they have been deeply heard. And, and when you are able to do this, for bringing it back now to reinventing yourself, as you are able to do this and serve other people by listening them into existence, you get a sense of confidence and calm an inner peace and an understanding of human beings that allows you to have the courage to take that next big step because now you realize that there is I'm not going to lose anything here no matter what I do I'm only going to gain I'm only going to grow because I'm really focused on serving others in a really truly remarkable way and so that's how I tell people to do this and and obviously we have watched thousands of people serving life and long-term sentences in prisons all over the world, because we are international now, um, completely transform themselves and reinvent themselves so that instead of being violent human beings who have been abused all their lives, they actually rediscover the humanity and become powerful peacemakers and mediators within their prison communities and outside.
0: Now, is that a formula, Doug? Are you saying that you say that exact same set of words to everybody or is it? is it created by what you're listening to that particular person are you listening
1: that, that's is it the,
0: individualized or
1: nope that's the formula that you would use for any any human being it's it, and it, it's very it's simple to describe it's not so easy to do because obviously it's counter-normative i mean we've been told that emotions are bad and evil and irrational and we should not be emotional and so are the whole western society is based on this idea of rationality which by the way there's no such thing as rationality uh it's all a big myth but we've been acculturated to believing right. privileging rationality over emotions and so the idea of listening to somebody else's emotions and reflecting them with a you statement is can be difficult in the beginning because it's so awkward and feels so weird but it's how our brains are hardwired this is the new insight from hmm. neuroscience and and so it's a very simple formula ignore the words Pay attention to the emotions, reflect back the emotions with a simple use statement. That's all you have to do, it's that simple.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Now, what about talking about the other things that you're talking about for reinventing? So that that really is, how would you really use, I mean, that's if you're in a bad situation and you have to I mean, calm I, it down, right?
1: It could, no, it doesn't have to be. Imagine you're confronted with a six-year-old who is super happy. You, right. could, you could say, oh dear, you're really happy, you're really excited. You're feeling a lot of joy and excitement. And, I mean, it can be used for positive or negative emotions. But the reason that I talk about this in terms of reinvention
0: yeah.
1: is because once you start doing this, you start to change yourself and you start and, as you change people around you, as you serve people around you. And what I've discovered is that service to humanity is, is primarily what we are here to do. And when you can start learning how to serve others in this very simple way, just listening them into existence, that, that gives you a strength and a foundation to look around and say, well, what else can I do? How else can I serve humanity? How can I reinvent myself by serving others? And it's not, it doesn't have to, like I said, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go to the soup kitchens or and feed people. You don't have to work with the poor. Uh, you, but what, but what you do, what I've found is that whenever I've turned to serving other people, to helping other people grow and be better human beings and be more authentic and more compassionate, my life always changes for the better. So every time I've I've created an online course, for example, that teaches somebody how to be a better person in one way or another, I've always benefited from that. Whenever I've written a book about that, my -hmm. life has always turned for the better. Whenever I've spent time teaching people and working with people and coaching them how to be better and Mm -hmm. serving them, Not Mm -hmm. about me, it's about Mm -hmm. serving them. My life has always gotten better. I agree. And I think that's the secret to all of this.
0: How does that lead you though? So for people who don't understand that, I always say that to people who are ruminating, they can't find their way out, they're stuck, they're whatever. I always say to them, figure out how you can get out there and help other people. And how do you explain to them that that transition because it seems like it's not part of the path, right?
1: It is. And it, and that's because we've been lied to for thousands of years. <laughs> you know, you're right. It's not part of the path. The path that we've been taught is wrong. You know, we've been taught about rationality, the myth of rationality. And we've been taught that, that you know, we follow this idea of, of career and... and salary and benefits and perks and reputation and professional degrees and professional licenses and all of that's what's important and professional status and none of that is important none of it is what's important is our relationship with other human beings so if you really the true reinvention is learning how to find meaning in your life i mean that's really it
0: that's what people are looking for that's what they're looking for yes that's right correct correct
1: so so victor frankel wrote in his book you could read the whole book and it's all summed up at the end the whole as i said before the whole the whole um what is really meaningful is serving, uh, learning how to serve other people in whatever way is, is important to you, and that that could be you could do that in a whole bunch of ways. You could become a coach. You could become a teacher, not, not a school teacher. You could do that too, a school teacher. You could be a coach and a teacher. Take what you know. You're in your, you're in your mid 40s. You've got a lot of wisdom and experience. What are you going to do with a, especially for women? What do you wish somebody had done for you when you were 18, 19, 20 years old in college or you are just coming out of college and you're starting your career, or maybe you're going to graduate school. What do you wish somebody had told you and helped you with? You, and, and I would say that most people probably know a bunch of women who are in uh, later generations coming up. Can you mentor them? Can you help them grow? Can you guide them and help them hopefully avoid some of the mistakes that you made? And help them understand what's important in life and what's not important in life. I mean, there's a there's a that that's just a huge opportunity right there.
0: Right, but when you're when you're thinking so because we do we talk a lot about mentorship. Obviously, there's been a lot of emphasis on that. Mm -hmm. But that feels like an off road, Doug, for a lot of people who have to continue to earn money and are in a crisis in terms of you know that's a. Need to keep earning money. I'm I'm the sole. You know, a lot of these women are are raising right. their kids by themselves or putting them through school by themselves, um, and they generally are professional women. And the mentoring has already happened. We know all about that. So how do you still make that leap? What other things can you do if you're feeling stuck? I mean, I agree with you that there's that definitely, even though it looks like a detour looking outside yourself is a way to find yourself right. i definitely understand let's, that but well, what let's else
1: talk, let's talk about the problem that you're facing which is okay. you're, you're financially constrained because you have children maybe you're a single parent you're right. a, you're you're and, and, and you're in a career where you maybe don't like what you're doing but right. you're making a lot of money at it right yeah that and that financial security is is important right i think that i think that what you have to do is is perhaps recognize that all right i've made choices that have put me in this position where i'm dependent upon this career for at least at least until my kids are out of college right and there's not much i'm going to be able to do uh to change that unless my children and i really want to change our lifestyle and that's probably unlikely so, so, so the hard reality is you're stuck with that and the only thing you can do is take a look at what you're doing right now and say, how can I find meaning in what I'm doing right now? And it may not be in my work. My work may be, may be uh, professionally satisfying in the sense that it's, it's, I got, I've got great status, I've got great perks, I'm making uh, a, a very good living, I'm very comfortable, but it is emotionally unsatisfying to me. And, and what you then, I think what you then have to do is figure out, well, then what is it about my work that is unsatisfying? And it's probably going to be the fact that you don't feel like you're serving people, that there's no meaning in what you're doing, even though you may have be a maybe a C-level person. But it's all about the money. It's all about the quarter, quarterly results. It's about satisfying shareholders and analysts and people like that. Or if you're in a profession like I have been in as a lawyer, it's about you know, making your nut and satis- finding clients and satisfying clients and, and, and dealing with the idios- idiocy that pre- prevails in the practice of law so much. Um, you have to find a way, and this is where you have to use your imagination and find ways every day in little ways to serve others, to find some meaning that's meaningful to you. And it doesn't have to be a big deal, but it has to be something and it doesn't have to take a lot of effort like i said you don't have to be a mother teresa but if you can't find something that is meaningful to you that you can do every day or once a week or something that really floats your boat then you're stuck with misery until you get to a place where you can completely change the rules around your financial situation and that's what i did i mean i went from a 4000 square foot home and an expensive car living on 20 acres you know making a lot of money to living in an eleven hundred square foot home, now I'm only on ten acres now, and I mean really downsizing my life. But you know something, I'm out of debt, and I make a, I make a pretty decent living, and I'm not bound. I, I, nobody can control me. I mean, my, the reason that I left the law firm was because my partners thought they could control me with a paycheck. And I basically said screw you, right, and and left. Um, and so part of it is learning how to overcome overcome the financial constraints that we impose on ourselves and that doesn't mean that you have to make a lot of money maybe what it means is you rethink your lifestyle you know you rethink now 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 there are a lot of women that are stuck there's no doubt about it they've got three or four kids they're single the husband's not doing i mean the ex-husband probably isn't paying support or if he's paying support he's he's being it's really tough to get out of it so you and you're still raising two or three kids there's nothing you can really do about that your past choices have led to where you are right now you just have to grin and bear it and tough it out. Right. If, if you can find inner peace and, for example, use the kind of skills that I'm talking about, listening other people to, into existence, so you can move through life a little bit more gracefully, then there will come a, be a point in time in five or ten years when you will be able to make your own choices. And you should spend the, the time that you have now preparing yourself for that transition, which may not be for until the kids are gone. Yes. Yeah and and you can set yourself up financially and then maybe you you know you um you do something else so for example i mean one of the things that you can do is i mean the internet is an incredible resource and there are a million different businesses that you can engage in online that only take you know they'll grow slowly but ten, you know um just you know a couple of 10 hours a week right. so supposing you like to do crafts supposing you're you're an artist you know, you've got websites like etsy where you can start developing you know, your craft and developing a product line and, and actually start making a little bit of money and, and just as something to do for fun, not as something that's going to be life changing. But okay. you have to just let your imagination roll and not not be so not be so limited by what society is telling you what you can and cannot do, but say, what can I do? What are the skills and things that I love to do that I can monetize? Right. Even even in a small way.
0: Right No, that we tell them a lot that they need to look. At what they can do on weekends, how they can right. you know, supplement um, there are vacations you can do that let you dabble in being a cheese maker if that's what you want to do is try Absolutely. to find uh, that joy and that sort of direction so um, on your free time.
1: Uh, let me let me be really kind of counter uh, contrarian here. Okay. Um, I don't own a television set. Oh, <laughs> I haven't watched television in in 30 years 40 years okay that that is a great i i, I mean if i were to, if, a, if a, a woman in their 40s were to come to me and say what what do i need to do i said do you own a television set yes get rid of it
0: oh <laughs> i love this okay a.
1: The, the, the average american adult watches television six hours a day
0: yeah
1: imagine okay. if you took that six hours and you could put it to something that you really love now what do i replace television with i'm a jazz violinist wow and so I spend at least an hour every day picking up my violin, one of my violins, and practicing. I, have, I take lessons every other week with uh, my teacher. I'm in California. She's in, in Massachusetts. And we do a Zoom call, and we do, I do violin. Pick up a, pick up music. But if you get rid of it, imagine what it would be like if you could find an extra six hours every day in your life, and you could put that, put that to use productively.
0: Guilty so get rid charged. of television. I'm a television. Get rid of television.
1: television. Don't listen to the radio. Get rid of television. If you want to get your news, subscribe to a magazine like The Economist, which gives you everything you need to know what is going on in the world in an in an intelligent way. Get off the internet. I don't don't use Facebook. Don't use Twitter. You know, don't go to YouTube. Don't um, don't do this inane stuff that wastes time, and really doesn't benefit you. It, it amuses you for a second or two, but but. Find other things to do that are more productive than what the devices all provide for us. And yeah. that's the other thing with phones. I, I tell people you text me, you'll be lucky to hear from me in a month.
0: <laughs> do they call you are you are Yeah device?
1: you either call me you either pick up the phone and you call me and if I, I'm not available, I, I get a voicemail and I'll call you right back or you can email <laughs> me. I'll respond to email. but I, okay. I leave my phone in my office, my home office, I never bring my home my phone into the house. I, I take my phone with me, but it's always muted. I do I am not controlled by my telephone. By my well, phone.
0: that's one of the big issues, actually, Doug. I spent the last year, year how to be more time efficient and how to, because so many of us are finding that's exhausting. And it um, is exhausting. I had not, I've not met anybody who's so good at turning it all off. But one of those discussions we have is turning it all off so that it's not ruling you, you're going to it instead of it coming exactly. to you, you're going to it when you need it.
1: Exactly. I return, I return emails twice a day. The first thing I do is I get up in the morning when I come into my office, I look, did I receive any texts? Yes. Are there any of them I have to respond to? No. Um, okay, go through my email load, which is pretty heavy. I've got to deal with three or 400 emails every morning any voicemails come through from the night for people on the east coast calling me no but but if so i i respond to emails voicemails and texts for two hours from uh basically between 10 and noon every day is the time i devote to that and then then i don't respond to anything after that
0: wow no Discipline. okay you have to be yeah. if you want to
1: reinvent yourself and you want to be effective you have to be disciplined you oh, I love it. Let society control you you've got to control your life it, it's the only way. Otherwise, you get swept up in all the, all the stuff that is nothing but a big distraction. And it's designed yes. to be a distraction.
0: Yeah, people are paid billions of well, This is what's so interesting is when you read about it and you listen to enough stuff about it, when you realize they're bringing in brain scientists to figure out how, how to hijack your brain. That's their Facebook
1: goal. has a whole floor of psychologists, right. PhDs, whose right. job is to make Facebook as addicting as possible.
0: Right, correct. And Think you about you understand that, that 300
1: okay. people, yeah. PhDs.
0: Yeah. No, when I when I understood that, I was like, fine, I'm turning you off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. So part of this reinvention thing is, is looking at what's controlling you and letting go of as much of what you uh, letting go as, uh, of as much of this it is controlling you or taking up your time your time soaks as you possibly yes. can to free up time for you to do other stuff
0: that's awesome i think that's one of the best things that i've heard in a long time which is how can you get six more hours out of every day <laughs> just turn off the freaking tv
1: that's right and and if it does nothing more than allow you some more time to sleep right then that's a good thing right or to go out and to get a little exercise, or to be right. with your kids, or to spend quality time. Right. Let me say something else. A lot of a lot of parents, a lot of single parents today, struggle with the fact that their pre-adolescents and adolescents, especially the boys, are gaming. Yes. Which, which yes. is a real challenge. Why are those it kids? It is a challenge. I know we don't have much time, but yeah. let me just speak to that. It's because the kids don't feel emotionally safe, and gaming is the only safe place they can go to. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and. and and so when you start thinking about how do I create emotional safety in my family and you, and, you're not, and you don't have the bandwidth to do that because it's all you can do to get up, get the kids to school, get to work, right. <coughs> um, you're exhausted from all the idiocy all the, all the idiocy you've got to deal with and then at the end of the day you've got to get the kids, feed them, you know, make sure they do their homework and, then, and, and there's just no space for interaction. Right. And so the kids are going to go to games because that's where they feel emotionally safe.
0: Okay, so one wow, thing, go ahead.
1: One of the things you've got to be thinking about as a single mom is, am I creating emotional safety here? And if you don't even know what emotional safety is, then that just tells you right off the bat that you've got some work to do. And 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 learning how to create that emotional safety so that you can have a stronger, deeper, more intimate interaction with your kids is, you know, should be a primary goal. And that means you look around and say, all right, where, do, where are the distractions here? how am I acting towards my kids? What am I doing? What programming am I bringing out from my childhood (laughs) that I'm recapitulating with my children that's causing them to not be with me?
0: Right, awesome. Well, Doug, thank you so much. You gave us so much to think about. um, And I just, it's, totally completely different than anybody I've ever spoken to there's nobody on this podcast who's worked in the maximum security prisons prisons as a mediator so that's if if you can do that we could do the reinvention part for sure
1: that's, that's right I, and like I tell people if I can teach a life or how to be a powerful peacemaker and mediator imagine what I can do for you
0: yes so doug where do people find you and where do they find your books what book would be most relevant to this group uh,
1: well in terms of reinvention i haven't really ever written about that Mo- okay. most of my books are subject you know they're subject matter books about my work as a peacemaker in media okay. but i did create a web page for for everybody out there yeah listening. i
0: saw that what is
1: that yeah it's uh if i recall it correctly it's dougnoll.co yes. slash reinvent yourself
0: yeah. and on that
1: page let me just tell you what's on the page. There, you can get a free ebook, which describes the de-escalation strategies and emotional validation exercises I've been talking about. You can get a copy of my fourth book, Deescalate: How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. And then there are two online video course offerings. And if nothing else, if you really want to see how I went from nothing to something with an online presence, then just take a look at my website. And uh, that's a, if you go to yourself, that's a, a bit.ly link, but the, my actual website is Just Look at the website and understand that I completely reinvented this website two years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And, and, and I went from nothing on that website to ranking uh, many of my blogs page one on Google
0: oh my god because I okay.
1: learned I reinvented myself I learned how to copyright I learned how to be a content writer I learned about search engine optimization I mean I took I went out and took a bunch of courses and learned how to do this stuff
0: awesome and,
1: and so if nothing else just look at my website as an example of what you can do in two years if you find if you stop watching television and start putting putting some effort
0: awesome in. I love it it's <laughs> that's <absolutely>. great Doug, <laughs> thank you so much for your time
1: Okay, Leslie, thank you.
0: So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Doug Knoll, and I hope it was inspirational to you. I hope I'm going to be challenged to turn off that damn TV. I will admit I'm a TV junkie. I waste a lot of time there. I'm on social media, though I have turned off my Instagram because I just can't stand the stories about Facebook any longer and being part of it even though I know I have to be there. But I'd love to hear from you. If you're able to do it, go ahead and send us a note over at CoveyClub.com. You could send it to Leslie at CoveyClub.com. I'd love to hear if you're able to actually do this and find more joy and peace and time for yourself in your day. Um, I'm challenged by this. I think it's a very interesting idea. And I hope that if you're interested in reinventing yourself, which I'm gathering you are, you will subscribe to the podcast, give us five stars, rate us, rank us, send us to your friends and come on over to CoveyClub.com. We are doing so much about reinvention and so much beyond that. And it really doesn't matter what kind of reinvention you're talking about. It could be career, it could be body, it could be health. Any kind of reinvention, we're there for you. We have answers, we have strategies, and we have experts. So come on over and see what we're all about. Until next time.